Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts, where your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always for the third day in a row in blue, Mr. Andy Molitor. And because, you know, there's honestly not that much sports going on, just, you know, not to give it away, I got no tennis picks today. <laughs> third leg of the Triple Crown is tomorrow. Now, we don't have a Triple Crown contender, which I feel a little spoiled, Mike. I was, I was going back and looking at history. I feel like in my lifetime I've had a lot of Triple tri Crown contenders. I mean, only one, I think, finished it. But, I mean, is, is that necessarily true? Yeah, we had a lot of horses that were winning the Derby and then would come back and win the Preakness and fall apart in the Belmont for about a 10-, 15-year stretch there in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, American Pharaoh broke uh, finally broke through and won the Triple Crown. We uh, we've had one since then, so it's it's been a a fun run up here through this process. Obviously, Justify got it done a couple years later, so we've had two of those Triple Crown winners, and and it's it's been it's nice to have that. But this specific three race sequence, at some point, I would love to go teach a college class around the betting aspects of what's happened because Rich Strike won the Derby. You have this just phenomenally long shot horse, crazy horse, eighty to one, second longest in Derby history, wins. And then in the Preakness, every single horse at 20 to 1 or higher gets bet down because all the money just pours in publicly on the long shots. And all of a sudden, you get 5 to 1 on early voting. You get 4 to 5 on Epicenter. Like Horses that should have been shorter prices didn't take money because no one wanted a long shot to win and not have a ticket on it. So absolutely wild aspect of, of how that betting has come in. And Saturday is going to be really interesting, too, because now we're going to have Rich Strike back. Everyone who bet 10 bucks and one 800 on them is going to bet him again even though he's going to be three to one or, or seven to two or whatever his price is. And we can go into that in a second. And you also have some long shots. Are they going to bet the long shots again? You're going to create value on horses like Mo Donegal, who's sitting at five to two, which is a pretty fair price on him. Yeah. It's, it's like the conversation we had, I believe it was Drew and I talked to you about the Derby last year when there was the, the threat of, you know, mattress Mac coming in big on the, you know, not, not in the, the pre-tournament fixed price odds, but coming in real big, wiring money to the cage at the at Churchill and just screwing up the odds later in the day. It sounds like it was similar where you just had a lot of public money and people it's it's not the same as the you know the betting markets where these you know these sports books have the option or the you know these trading rooms if they take a shitload of money on a team and they think it's dumb because it's all public money and yeah. you know they say the sharp money's on the other side. We don't care we'll take a position here. They don't have to move the line, but like when a lot of money comes in, just the way that a paramutual pool could correct me if I'm wrong, the, the odds just move based on how much money is on each horse. So like public money can absolutely move these odds. Oh, a hundred percent. And especially on big days when you have the most possible public money coming in on these racetracks. So Belmont day, Preakness day, uh, obviously the Derby breeders cup are the big days when you see all this money just pour in from the public side and, this specific one's going to be really interesting to watch how it goes. I mean, you talked about how a sports book can take a side. Well, the racetrack just takes 15% and then pays out what's left to the winners. It's a great, great thing for the race book. Um, but this is, this is really interesting because when you talk in sports and you have data points, you talk about, you know, overshifting the odds, the overreaction from week one to week two in the NFL. 
I mean, this is the ultimate overreaction here. You had 80 to 1 on Rich Strike, and he deserved to be 80 to 1 in, in the, the Derby based on the data points he had leading up. And now you're going to take 3 to 1 on the same horse uh, in a race that, that is going to have less congestion, won't have the same pace to run into. Uh, it's just, it's wild to me the, the drastic shift that you're seeing in Rich Strike's price. So what would you have for it strike at? And again, that the Kentucky Derby was nuts, not only with how many horses there were, the pace it started out with early. We talked about on the show and after, it felt like just the consummate horse betting experience for everybody that bet some of the favorites. They're all stacked up. All your tries, exactors are looking great around the corner. And then here comes this core horse zigzagging through. So, you know, we're looking at three and a half to one here. What would you have as a fair price? I wouldn't touch him at probably less than 15 or 20 to one. Like for me, and this is the reason you got seven data points on, on rich strike, right? One of the seven probably makes him around four to one or five to one. That's the Derby, right? He needs to replicate that race to have a chance to win this race. His previous high buyer on dirt, which is a, a common thing that people look at. He ran a one Oh two in the Derby, which is a very good number. His previous high on dirt was 64. He improved 66% in the Derby over his previous high buyer. And so it's like, I, I get it, and maybe he replicates that race, and maybe he wins. But if you take out his best and worst race, he's probably 40, 50 to 1 in this race. If you say, okay, we're going to use the Derby as a data point, I still think he should be sitting somewhere around the 15 to 20 to 1 range. Some people say 8 to 12, but in my mind, 3 to 1 is just, or 7 to 2, where he's currently sitting on the morning line. And I expect him to get bet. It's just wildly low for me, but it also means you're creating an opportunity. Because if you have all this money on a horse that, that I'm going to try and fade, it means that if you go other places, you're going to get right prices. And if he runs out of the superfecta, you're going to get paid because people are going to include him in that kind of stuff. So uh, where there's an overreaction, there's an opportunity. Yeah, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are quicker on the draw than I and got some no triple crown winner bets when books left that up too late after he pulled <laughs> out. I did. So I'm saying that's the only uh, pre or excuse me, Belmont bet I have right now is the only thing I could find was just a triple crown winner or the Derby winner will not win either of the other two races. And I've got a, You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to talk in horse. I got it at five to seven. So I'm sitting on a, the field at five to seven, right? Not couldn't get a lot on it, but I'm feeling good about that one. Is this, and we got talking a little off the air and it's not always the case. In fact, I think it's very rarely the case What's the best, what's the race you're actually most looking forward to Saturday as far as from a betting standpoint? Because I think there's, you know, this is the one everybody focuses on. You're not going to find a ton of articles off of actual like horse racing sites of giving you anything on the undercard. But is there one you're really excited to bet and a horse you like to look uh, at a price? Yes. Yeah, so betting wise, I think the best race is the Jiper. It's the eighth race. It's a grade one turf sprint for the boys. Um, I So there's a horse that is entered in Churchill and at Belmont. We don't know if he's going to run yet, but his name is Smoking Jay, the 10 horse. And he's sitting on, yeah, it's, it could be Jay Cutler. It could be something else. Uh, but Smoking Jay is sitting on the morning line at 15 to 1. One of my favorite angles when I'm handicapping is looking for four-year-olds that are second off a layoff that run their best career race first time out as a four-year-old. Horses don't fully mature into the late three-year-old, early four-year-old season. So you can see huge jumps from a talent perspective into that four-year-old season. And then specifically the second start and third start off the layoff are very common progression angles where you're going to see the horse improve quite a bit. Smoking Jay ran really well first out as a four-year-old. This is going to be second off the layoff. It's a four-year-old. It's an aggressive placement first time that they're going to put him up in a grade one level race. 
I love the confidence that they're showing if they do end up having him run there. So I'm hoping that Smoking Jay ships to New York and runs. If he doesn't, and this is a 13-horse field, you can go a couple different directions. But I also really like a horse named Gear Jockey, who is the 12-horse. There's quite a bit of pace in this race. He wants six furlongs. He ran last time at five and a half, couldn't quite get it done. He's sitting on the board at six to one. So I still think there's some value in that race, even if Smoking Jay does scratch out. You know I like betting those races. <laughs> <laughs> especially, if I'm, especially if I'm just going to be, and there's, uh, I won't be, there's a decent chance I'll be at Canterbury Sunday if the weather prevails. I, I, I get some baseball tickets tomorrow I got to take care of, but I think I might be at the track Sunday. I'm going to have to be betting all the other tracks as well, too, but I still have, I have my TVG app. I can be betting on the phone for sure. And so I'm trying to pull up early lines on this. You can only get early lines on the actual Belmont advance. And they don't even really show you the pool. How does that work? So like, is it just really early morning lines is what they're putting up on like, cause these are, it's a pair of mutual lines they're putting up here, but they're just super early morning lines is what it is. Yeah. So every racetrack has a, a morning line odds maker and their goal is to try and guess the odds that the, that the horses will go off at. And so that's kind of where you see those morning lines come from. David Aragona does it for Naira, which is Belmont. Uh, and he does a wonderful job. So he's fairly accurate with his, there's some morning lines that aren't great, Generally, Saratoga, Aqueduct, and Belmont are, are pretty accurate. So the, the whole goal is to try and help the public with understanding what those off odds should – they're expecting it to go off at. Now, it's not who the morning line person would pick. It's what horse they think is going to get bet. And so it's important to kind of differentiate that because a lot of times people are like, well, this is a terrible odds. But, got, but like they're trying to replicate what the horse would go off at. That's the goal. Now, Andy says he's going to the track on Sunday, but I probably just watched some horse racing all day today. Is there a race today that maybe we like? There must be something going on, right? At least one or two. Yeah, there's there's some fun races today. Uh, you've got, I think it's like five graded stakes today on Belmont's card. To me, the best race is the last race of the day, the 11s. It's the grade three Intercontinental stakes. It's actually the, the turf sprint for the Phillies, uh, just like we talked about the Jiper last time. Uh, and there's a horse on the rail. Again, we're going to go back to this angle where I love that second off the layoff as a four-year-old. Star Divine ran really well, lost by two lengths to Champanelli. Champanelli is a really good Wesley Ward Philly sprinter. She's phenomenal. But that was Star Divine's first time off the layoff, first time out as a four-year-old, and her numbers jumped significantly. If she improves off that race, she's going to be a real big threat, and you're getting 10 to 1 on her. So I, I love that price as well. Um, from the other undercard races, you've got the True North, which it, it, it's a tough race to bet because you're sitting on morning line favorite at 2 to 5 at Jackie's Warrior. But it was an awesome race to watch because Jackie War Jackie's Warrior is absolutely phenomenal uh, when you get to see her go. So I, that's one that I would watch, but not necessarily bet. And then the undercard also has the 10th race, which is uh, the New York Stakes. It's the only grade one on today's card. It's for Phillies going a mile and a quarter. Uh, the two-horse Regeer is uh, a horse that Peter Brandt paid multiple millions of dollars for to breed. And then he saw how well she was in training. He's like, ah, we're going to run her anyway. Uh, so she came back. She won her first start in the Chad Brown barn. He's got four horses in here, Peter Brandt and Chad Brown together. Uh, I like Regeer on top, but I think there's some value in the trifecta because the one horse, Flighty Lady, will be all alone on the lead. And she's sitting at 15 to 1 out of the Chad Brown barn. I think she holds on for a piece of this. And so I'm going to play the two Regeer on top of the one and the three uh, and see if we can get a 15 to 1 shot there in the try. It's really impressive how you remember all these names. It has to just be exhausting and confusing because they're not even like they're just normal words and phrases and stuff. Do you ever just feel insane? 
Oh, to all, all the time. And I like this is this is easy right now because I've been talking about the Belmont stakes and the undercards on both days for all week, right? If you ask me on like if you watch the Magic Mike show, do a podcast every week, I butcher the crap out of these horses' names all the time. I forget get their sex wrong sometimes because I'm I'm handicapping five tracks a day, right? And then picking out which sequences and which tracks I'm going to play. And so it, it, you kind of it all mixes together. But these big days, it's a lot easier. Because you know these horses, you've seen them run before, you talk about them quite a bit. So it's easier on these days. But man, on a random Wednesday, yeah, don't don't even ask. <laughs> yeah, there's more Chad Brown horses than there are not Chad Brown horses. There's only seven in the damn race. Yep, he's firing four of them out there. <laughs> I have no idea. So I just pulled up TVG. I have no idea if it's set to central time. Does does the first race go off in like seven minutes or an hour and seven minutes? Hour and seven minutes. So first okay, post today so is I got, at I got time. So you go. You still got time. Yeah, you still got time. It's 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 a full day of racing too. We got eleven today. We got thirteen tomorrow. They're trying to find all kinds of fun way to take your money. So I think there's five daily doubles today into tomorrow. They've got a two day pick six. Um, so it's it, there's a two day pick four. So there's a bunch of different gimmicky wagers too. If you uh, want to get involved in some fun stuff, ending in the Belmont or some of the other big races tomorrow. That's <laughs> that's just wonderful to hear as someone that is. Loves betting on horses. And, I mean, you talked about we're not betting Rich Strike in the Belmont, but let's circle back. I mean, who do you like? Who are we betting? Do I just take every other horse? <laughs> well, I, I like Modonigal at 5-2. to two. Uh, I think that actually is a pretty fair price on Modonigal when you get down to it. Uh, the Wood Memorial has come back as a wonderful race. Uh, early voting ends up winning the Preakness, was able to go gate to wire there. Mo Donegal ran down early voting in a very fast time in that Wood Memorial. I think Mo Donegal is going this is going to set up very similarly. We the People is going to be alone on the lead, and We the People scares me. I mean, because gate to wire is something that happens quite a bit in the Belmont. You generally want to be a little more forwardly placed, and there really isn't anyone to push We the People. So We the People should be out front. I think Mo Donegal is just a better horse. Todd Pletcher is a wonderful trainer, specifically for the Belmont. He said this was his Belmont horse the whole time. Uh, Mo Donald, son of Uncle Mo, very good at mile and a half, so should absolutely love every bit of this distance. And I think they're going to go a little bit slower, which means that Mo Donald will be a little bit closer to the pace. And again, you go back to that wood. Early voting had an easy lead, and Mo Donald was able to run him down in a mile and a quarter. You give him this extra, or I'm sorry, mile and an eighth. You give him this extra distance, I think he's going to be able to get the job done in a mile and a half. I do like a couple prices underneath, though. I think We the People makes a ton of sense underneath. I'm going to put Skippy Longstocking, the two horse, at 20 to 1 in my tries and my supers. Um, I don't think he's got a good shot at winning the race. But if you go back and you watch the Preakness, he was four wide on the first turn. He was hung three wide on the second turn. Ends up running a good fifth anyway. Um, and he has the horse that I think has the next most tactical speed. So he's going to sit right behind We the People. And as long as he just stay a length behind We the People, he makes a ton of sense sitting in that third or fourth spot in the in the uh, in the super, and then I also like uh, Creative Minister sitting on the board at six to one, the five horse a little bit too. Uh, he has actually ran on Kentucky Derby Day in the undercard, broke his maiden, ends up running third in the Preakness. Horse is just improving at the right time. Again, should like that mile and a half distance, and I think makes a ton of sense underneath as well. I, I think it's really between we we the people and Mo Donegal to win the race, but I do think you can get you know a little little creative on the prices underneath. So a six five two kind of thing. I like it. We can we can I might, make be, it I might be king king the six, doing a few key superfectas. <laughs> I to spend a little less money that way. And then uh, yeah, tell show? people tell people what you're doing on the YouTube because we, we pumped the YouTube channel up. You did a lot for the Derby, but you're gonna be doing some live stuff tomorrow. 
Yeah, we're having a lot of fun on the YouTube. So we, we really got serious about it at Breeders' Cup last year, um, but we were putting out videos pretty much every single day with different content around general horse racing. So there's I put up a handicapping videos around trip handicapping and I, horses that I'm stabling up that I want to bet next out. We've got videos of capsules for every Belmont contender if you kind of want to learn what we think of them, how they got there. And then the exciting part that we're doing is we're doing live shows. So we're, we're hosting a tournament for our subscribers today. We'll be on live for the last three races at the Belmont. If you want to check that out, we'll be handicapping that live. And then we'll be on live for three hours tomorrow going over the last five races at Belmont. Um, so it's, it's a bunch of fun. You go to YouTube backslash racing dudes. You can subscribe there. If anytime we go live, the notification will come. Um, and then we'll also retweet. So if you want to follow me at Samobomb18 on Twitter, you can always find me there and happy to answer any questions too. I, I leave my DMs open. So happy to take uh, take questions from people who want to learn more about horse racing because I, I love the sport. Want to make sure we do the best possible job spreading it. And Racing Dudes is, is great. I'm going to go tomorrow. I love buying that day card because I don't just get all your picks for the Belmont. I get all your picks for like 20 different tracks. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's all nice and right there. So if you're somebody like me who's just going to pull up Fox or NBC and degen bet horses all day, there is no better value. That was always one of my things on my checklist when I'd go up to the track for the Derby. Like I had to hit a winner at a track that wasn't, um, it, you know, it couldn't be Churchill or Canterbury. It had to be a random track, and I would sit. That's hard because there's like 20 different tracks popping up. So, all right. Well, we appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks for popping on. Good luck to everything you're doing today. Hit some pick five, at least one pick five between today and tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Well, we got we got opportunity. Yeah, we're we're gonna take down the pick six. The two day two day pick six is happening. We got I think there's seven pick fives between the two days at Belmont. So you got a lot of opportunities to hit one. Oh, I think you got at least one of those. So, <laughs> all right, appreciate it, Mike, and we'll we'll talk to you later. Have a have a fun weekend, man. Thanks very much, guys. Good luck this weekend. I happen to lose. Just, I know. I I, I don't. I always forget to do it. Then I have to go back and rewatch these. But I opened up a Google Doc this time, so I could just start typing out these horses on the because like oh I'll remember that I'll remember the name of that horse in the eighth race uh, at Belmont on a Friday, and I never do. So. I have, it's amazing I that he remembers all that stuff because like tennis players, basketball players, those are unique words. Those are names. I mean, it's like he's trying to memorize like passwords or something like it's just wild. And for the record, the one is tr trying to trick you. It's called Barber Road. That's not Barbaro. That's the whole different horse. Maybe they're related. Got yes, all these horses. Yeah, I don't like that. Maybe they're related. All these horses are related. Now I'm gonna have to go get the cards. But uh, yeah, a couple other things tonight. I'll just um, I'll just let you lead off with I'll let you lead off with some basketball. We have game game four of a series that's every time we proclaim a series over, something surprising happens. But boy, Audi, if Steph is not 100 percent, and these guys are taking it this poorly to heart that they're chanting that they don't like Draymond and like giving him the finger, uh, the series might be over if you can't handle that shit. So what, uh, what are we looking at tonight? Game four in the garden up in Boston where I don't know, it wasn't a real competitive game, game three. Uh, are we going to see more of the same? What do you think? Well, I liked your tweet about, of course, how the Celtic fans will adjust and be much nicer after uh, hearing about well, how much of an impact they had. It does. It's a total like mind kind of weakness move there. But I, I like Boston before the series. I like Boston after game one. I like Boston after game two. I sure as hell like Boston after game three. And as sick as it makes me to say that over and over and over again, 
I just I like Boston quite a bit here, and the angle I'm taking in, in this game is an under. I gave out the under yesterday. We got about half a point of CLV already. That never goes wrong. Um, so we'll see what the real move is today. But I think it's going to be a really slow, ugly game. And I added a Warriors team total under. As I look at it, even if Curry is in playing well, given the pace and some of the defensive adjustments we've seen, I still have the Warriors at like 104, maybe a little bit higher than that. But if I start to tweak things down for Steph being less than 100%, God forbid he miss actual time here. And really at the end of the day, the logic is as I look at this line, this line is as if Steph Curry was playing and healthy. This is basically the same line that we closed at the last game when we assumed everything was fine. And we know that's not true. So I don't know why there hasn't been an adjustment, why there hasn't been a slight move towards Boston, a slight move towards the under. So I guess I expect Steph Curry to play. I expect him not to be 100%. But even if he is, I just, there's two, this, both of these numbers are too high. These games in Boston have been really ugly. And again, I think it looks a lot like last game a little bit slower pace a little less sh- shooting and you know things normalize here a bit where i think we've got a nice smooth under 214 and then the warriors team total under 105 and a half and you know not that i want steph to get hurt but if things do look worse these numbers are going to move in, in our favor in a big way so try to get ahead of it i yeah i was a little surprised how things went and honestly it, it was a weird game how it turned out like it was a it was a dead nut over it took a, a very odd fourth quarter to even keep it close. And that was surprising. It just, man, being down, you've lost home court. You're down 2-1. Your star player's hurt. You could see you could see a little bit of give up, even in a finals game in the, in the uh, closing stretch here. So I'm, uh, I'm with you there. I'm gonna and then Draymond there. Overs. Uh, Darren Summer, who's in the chat quite a bit and does really well on props, was giving those out. A lot of other smart people in one of our chats. So go take your Draymond points overs. He generally does very well after a poor performance. And again, the, the over-under is like 10, so all he has to do is shoot the ball eight times. Yeah. <clears throat> Just lob up some shots. Just end up under the basket for a tip-in, buddy. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be partaking in a little of that. A little bonus golf. Um, I have a couple matchups. It's playing today i don't my maybe my worst day of matchups ever i think we had oh three and two <laughs> the two draws were or pushes were leading i couldn't even get wins out of those it was rough but the, the way things are tracking my daily my full tournament plays a bunch of them are going to settle up with the uh with the cut here either with my guy or another guy or both guys missing the cut it's trending towards plus one decent chance it ends up towards plus two yeah and alex smalley um Love it, little alex. known little known golfer he is six under he went three under today again he is one stroke off the lead and he was 175 to one before this tournament started ask me how i know because we are sitting on a very small ticket, a very small, <laughs> a very small ticket on Alex Smalley. Hey, Smalley ticket. Would that be? Would that be sweet to see one of these long shots that I, I put in every week? It's it's nice to see him compete. Other outrights doing all right. Shane Lowry's four back. Uh, Kirk is six back. Like not dead, but it'd be awful nice to see. Neither of those men have golfed today. If they could end up at four or five under after the end of the day, would be good. But for today, I have one that starts in about an hour. It is my guy, Luke Donald. Is it? Is this who I went with? Yeah, Luke Donald over, uh, over Chuck Hoffman. Charlie Hoffman, <clears throat> again, he has the tools in the bag. We saw a half-decent round yesterday, but, man, I just can't expect 
it's like what we talked about with the data points with Bob so much brought up. It's there's there's just so many data points pointing to Charlie Hoffman not being that good at golf anymore. So it's it's kind of a, a no-brainer price for me. I can't quite make sense of this one. I have it a lot bigger again. The tee times are 12.33 for Hoffman and 12.55 for Luke Donald. That's East Coast time. So that will start – actually, you probably only got about 40 minutes before Hoffman tees off. So that will come off the board here soon. That's just uh, my one my one afternoon play for today. One bullet. That's all you need. Man with the golden golf pick. Ooh, finger. He's the man. And no tennis because we're at the end of the week. There's they're all happening matches. right now. Yeah, and they're all no happening. No odds, nothing. It's, it's a bummer. We'll see. I mean, we have a Harriet Dart risk over that looks like it's going to be okay. Uh, I'll tweet some stuff out if there's anything this weekend. Yeah, but it's just been really kind of a slow week, and we'll get back into it next week with a little more grass tennis. It's just nice that it stopped raining. Maybe Twins. I'm going to bet the Twins tomorrow because I'll, if it doesn't rain, I'll be at the game. But I might just bet they're over again. Like, they hit the shit out of uh, who's that? Cole Garrett. Why can't they? Why can't they do? You know, why can't they do that to everybody? The offense is kind of clicking. Here's a question: Hey, Andy, what do you think about books creating matchups with guys that aren't playing together at the same tee time? I don't I mind. They usually way. they usually keep it pretty close. Um, you know, obviously, full tournament matchups it can be full full ass uh, difference where they'll have an AM guy versus a PM guy, which sometimes you can take advantage of if you're giving. You know, the AM PM wave, a quarter stroke bump. Sometimes that makes a difference in some of those with your pricing. But for the most part, they seem to keep it fairly close with these daily matchups. But it's it's a bit annoying that uh, I have to figure out, like, which one of these guys starts first. For the most part, um, here he says, it seems like the guy teeing off earlier seems to beat the guy teeing off later in the day. No idea. Um, for, for the most part, I, I'm wondering and if maybe a friend millionaire can tell us where where they're betting. It'd be cool. I'd like to see what's what's getting put up. But it, we used to have a lot of those at something called Five Dimes, where they would offer these full tournament matchups, and it would be a person who's starting at eight in the morning versus someone who's teeing off at three in the afternoon. And for some reason, they would they would always offer a round one matchup to go with it. So you'd have a split tea time day one matchup. And sometimes there was like, Hey, it's going to be soft and wet in the morning and easy to play. And it's going to be windy as fuck at three in the afternoon. And there's, there might be a two stroke difference between these, you know, the average rounds. And I mean, like the one time there's 15 of them. I just bet them blindly. It went, you know, it went like 10 and five. Like I didn't look at prices. Right. You just bet them all. I'm like, cause it was, it was definitely a week where it was like, oh my God, it's going to be so windy this afternoon. Like this is, this is stupid. So that's why, you know, that's why the LIV has got the shotgun star guys. Dan brings it up right now. You know, you take away the wave advantage. So I'm going to have to poke around. I mostly shot my matchups at, you know, bet online, low vig, and bookmaker. But be interesting to see if uh, some of them are putting some real weird ass ones out with the uh, split tea times like that, because that's something you can take advantage of. I can dig it. And that's it for the week. We're gonna go have a weekend. Hopefully, the weather's I nice. Watch I wanna. I know. I want to go to the track Sunday if it's nice. There's nothing better than going. I love bringing. I love my children. Love family day. <laughs> But man, going to the track without the kids is gonna be so much better. 
Like we found that out when we went out to the Breeders' Cup. Like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, it is. So good luck to everybody all weekend, betting everything you do, doing everything you do. Give it a thumbs up in the YouTube. And have a great one. See you guys.